This is Monstras. And welcome to another episode of Monstras, a podcast dedicated to Latin American and Latinx horror, folklore, history, and all things weird. I am Brenda Salguero, and as usual, I am joined by my co-host, Orquidia Morales. Okay, I'm laughing because we... (laughs) I put the names in the script because we keep forgetting to introduce ourselves. <laughs> and I was wondering if you were going to do something with it. And you did. I did. I did. Every time. Every time I never plan for it, I just do whatever comes to my brain. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, hi, everyone. Thanks for joining. Uh, today, we're talking about a topic that is close to my heart. Or should I say <laughs> kidney? But I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Today we will be talking about the organ black market um, in Latin America. Very exciting stuff. I know. I was actually really fascinated by this topic when you brought it up. Um, Because I also remember the urban legend growing up. And so I'm really happy that you wanted to tackle this. But why are you so, like, you're you're really interested in it. Should I be worried? (laughs) Yes, you should be worried that I'm so interested in it. But we live really far away, so okay, you're great. Safe. I, I don't know. Like, I'm just fascinated by the urban legend. It's a uh, one that I grew up hearing. So, and it, and it was very local. Um, for so I grew up on the U.S. Mexico border, and we would go to Reynosa all the time. And I grew up hearing these stories that if you go to Mexico, especially if you go to Mexico to party at night, because a lot of like teens would cross the border into Mexico and drink because it was legal at 18 plus also legal before then or not legal, but you know, no one was going to check your ID. Yeah, exactly. And it was like, you, you just, you can walk across the border. So we walk, get drunk, walk back. So the, the urban legend is if you cross the border and get drunk in Mexico, if you, especially if you're in a really sketchy part, you would get kidnapped and drugged. And then the next day you would wake up in a bathtub full of ice with a lot of pain. And as slowly as you start to like move around and everything, uh, you, you kind of look and you see stitching or stitches on your side and you find out that someone has stolen your kidney. Usually if they're nice, they leave you a note that say, you know, call the equivalent of 911. You are missing a kidney. So the, the good kidnappers wow. leave you a note. Yeah, yeah, that's really nice of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's instructions, you know, it's it's very kind because you're, you're just so confused. You need those instructions. Yeah, exactly. But it was it was a super popular story in the 90s and 2000s. And I, so, so today we're going to delve deeper into this urban legend and kind of try to think through where it comes from. Were they really stealing kidneys Were in Mexico? How dangerous were these kidney stealing gangs if they even <laughs> existed? And then I think the big question is how big is the organ trade in Latin America? Yeah, that makes sense. And like I said, before I, ha- I did grow up with this legend, I specifically, when you were describing the stitches, like the person looking at the side, and waking up horrified, you know, and and having stitches and being like and trying to like slowly realize that 
something has gone catastrophically wrong and they're Mm -hmm. missing like that's such a huge violation but that is such a visceral image that it is stuck in my head like I've seen it before yeah and there's like the urban legend shows and like beyond beyond belief like all these shows kind of did takes on it on whether it was real or not um and it's probably not I didn't find any actual cases of that scenarios and and then we'll talk a little bit more about that um so let me go into the urban legend um so usually in the urban legend it's a man that goes into latin america in my version of the story or the one i heard they would go into mexico and they go to have fun to party you know to meet women all that fun stuff and then they get tricked into taking drugs so usually there's a version where women seduce them and drug them to kidnap them. Oh. And then they wake up missing a kidney and a note telling them to call for help. Um, and again, they're usually businessmen or college students. And mostly men um, hmm. are the victims. That's interesting that it's mostly men. Hmm. Why do you, what are you thinking over there? I. <laughs> You're like, okay, I'm safe now. <laughs> I'm sa- I'm pretty safe. I mean, I feel like other w- women are. It's interesting because women are always kind of in danger in those kind of situations, and this is kind of turning it on its head. And like, oh, men, yeah, women can you know get raped and uh, drugged at parties, but if you get drugged, guess what? You'll also have a violation of your body in terms of having your kidney stolen. Yeah, that's a great point, and. I think it connects to like, um, we, we did an episode on the Constanzo case, right? The murders in Matamoros of this idea of like the drug cartels being so vicious that they're willing to do anything for money, including kidnap and kill, uh, specifically Americans. Um, yes. So, who yeah. think, who think they're safe, you know, yeah. if they're, and in these shows, it's always like a white guy. Yeah. And it's always like, oh. Well, even white people can be violated, white men. And it's like, oh, God. <laughs> the, the audacity of these criminals. <laughs> I know, exactly. How dare they go, you know, after privileged people. Oh, they my should gosh. know better. Um, but, okay, so what's really cool about this urban legend is that in the 90s, it wasn't just shared, like, mouth to mouth. Is that how you say it? I was going to question it. As soon as you said it, I was like, are they kissing? <laughs> no, okay. I think because in Spanish, you say like chismes de boca en boca from mouth to mouth. Oh. And I, so I translated that wrong in my brain. Okay, no, that happens to me a lot. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what is happening in your gossip world orchidea where gossip is transferred (laughs) it's like it's like an alien where they have like the alien has that extra mouth inside her mouth so that comes out and meets the other person's mouth and then they (laughs) they share the cheese i I ship it i definitely ship it so that's great (laughs) but okay so so the legend was not only shared by word of mouth but also online According to an article from Wired, published in 1998, the story was shared consistently via email, uh, warning people not to travel abroad or consume things that were offered. Um, I don't know if you remember those wild times in the 90s where you would get all these emails that were 
weird spams and like if you don't forward this to 10 people you're gonna die in a day kind oh of my things. god the chain mails emails were so bad and i but i don't i didn't interact with email that much because i was so young in the 90s i was i turned 14 in 2000 well so i didn't <laughs> so i didn't have email like that but i remember those chains even though i didn't interact with them only because i saw them in like tv they were referenced a lot in in like television yeah i don't remember them and i must have been like late high school early college when i started really noticing them um did you ever send them i think i did and then you would usually send them to family members and friends which is so dumb yeah why would you do that because they're just gonna send them back to you yeah exactly i mean i remember seeing them i think when i was really young and then being like oh fuck that i'm not doing this shit (laughs) let me die smart that's smart (laughs) (laughs) but so um snopes uh, also debunked the myth as saying it was obviously fake uh and they dated the myth to the mid 90s and email chains with subject lines like travelers beware and things like that so snopes uh placed the legend in the u.s itself the story went that a well-financed highly organized gang operating in various major u.s cities was drugging business travelers and making off with their kidneys to sell on the organ transplant black market so in in the the snopes version it's just in the u.s and it's specifically business travelers because they travel alone they travel a lot that that sort of myth gotcha so that's that's the urban legend it's obviously fake but very (laughs) very cool and i love everything about it um i I can't remember if it was in the movie urban legends (gasps) oh shit i think it was I i think it was i think that's where i'm getting the image of the dude maybe waking up with stitches all over, like, on a side of their body. Maybe. maybe. I think you're right. I think I, you're I right. I can't remember if it was in the first one or the second one. I think. But anyway, I can't remember. I like, You're right. It was all over popular media. And it's it's an understandable fear. It's, it's a terrifying violation, right? You wake up post-surgery, unplanned surgery, without your consent, right? Someone performs the surgery and takes a vital part of you usually done in an unsanitary way that's the real terror too yeah they usually do it in a really dingy basement um, and now you're stuck with ridiculous medical bills and, and missing a kidney which and is the possibly, real horror of the story <laughs> yeah and possibly sepsis you don't even know like what kind of things they left in there exactly they, t- they, they took a kidney and they put in a lung just to see what would happen. <laughs> the dude lost his watch in there. He's like, oh, yeah. crap. <laughs> yeah. So you're just constantly ticking. <laughs> but I, okay, so I'm looking up the movie. I'm trying, apparently Jared Leto mm-hmm. was the star of this movie. I did not know that. I wouldn't say star because the, the lead is a woman, but he was in it. Okay. He's and a, then there's a love interest and then there's a a character called brenda mm-hmm. oh, i should have watched this movie um i or maybe i did watch it i don't remember my god it was really I, it's one of my favorite like 2000s horror films 
I think that one in the sequel, pretty good. Yeah, so it looks like... No, I don't think there was a scene with a kidney missing. It might not It might not have been the first movie. It might have been the, another movie. Maybe. If any, any listener remembers or can think of a movie with that in it, please let us know. Yes, because yeah, it's, not, it's not in that movie. But anyways, going back to the urban legend. So if the urban legend isn't true, then what is... What is the reality of the situation? Like, is there an organ black market? Like, what is going on? Are people having their uh, organs kidnapped? Like, what's going on? So, there are multiple origin points to this story, including the fear of traveling alone, fear of dying, you know, all the fun stuff, right? Uh, <laughs> we all the get usual. scared. <laughs> the usual. But there is some reality to the trafficking of organs, although none are non-consensual technically. So basically the way it goes down is that there are a lot of people that actually sell their organs willingly, like selling a kidney, to make money. So the truth truth is, is like it's actually much sadder and dystopic than the legend. So the World Health Organization estimates that about 10% of the 100,000 transplants carried out each year around the world actually involved illegal human organ trafficking. And I actually did read a story about how common this is. I believe it was in Afghanistan where people are so desperate and poor that they're actually selling body parts in order to help pay for food for their children. Uh, So that was really heartbreaking to read that story. Uh, In 2012, a study found that roughly up to 20,000 kidneys alone are sold worldwide each year on the black market where they can fetch a price of around $150,000, which I was like, how many kidneys do I have? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think if, if we lived in a country with better health care, I would donate something. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, can I make money off of my kidney? Because yeah. uh, this is sounding real good. I'm not it, really. I'm not, I'm not putting it to good use. I'm just trashing it right now. Exactly. And you have two of them, right? So, Or could I sell part of my liver? Livers grow back. I did not know that. Yeah, livers grow back. So maybe half... How much does half a liver fetch? (laughs) Sell your liver by the ounce. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, how much? How much do I get? So a 2005 study found that on average, a kidney would sell for about... $10,000 in Peru and around $6,000 in Brazil, offering brokers a potential profit margin of over 1,000%. A 2012 Proceso report found that online advertisements recruiting potential sellers grew exponentially in Jalisco, Mexico, where the poverty rate is about 41%. That's crazy. That's so sad. Like, I can't even imagine seeing that as an option right? yeah like, we're so so lucky you get you get to a point where yeah it seems like it's it's a good option for you and it's sad yeah and and i i mean that's why i love the urban legend over the reality um, <laughs> yeah. because in reality victims are exploited because of their economic need so yes, yes it's consensual but because of a lot of economic factors, right? Yes. Um, 
and then they people see selling their organs or participating somehow in the illegal organ trade as the only way to make money and survive um and and unfortunately in in our research we found that this is a global phenomena more and more right like it wasn't it was hard to find just latin american examples that weren't connected to other parts of the world mm. uh, for example in 2004 30 Brazilians sold their kidneys for between three to $10,000 to an Israeli-funded trafficking ring that had the transplant operations carried out in South Africa. Wow. So those organs traveled a lot. Those, like, yeah. It's just, it's crazy how these it's, body parts can move, people cannot. Like, we have yeah, all these ex- borders. Exactly. Wow. Um, and in that article that I that I got those statistics from by Edward Fox, he writes about a case in Belarus too. He writes, quote, a 2010 Bloomberg investigation discovered that a Belarusian man who answered an advertisement to sell a kidney for $10,000 was eventually flown to Ecuador for surgery to transplant the organ to an Israeli woman. When locked in a Quito hotel room, he pleaded with his traffickers to let him go, stating he he had changed his mind. They refused threatening to kill his family if he didn't go through with the procedure. Wow. Yeah. That's nuts. And the thing, that's crazy because it's it's almost like desperate people on either side, right? Yeah. And, and the middlemen are just kind of taking advantage of it. Obviously, the people who have money are also taking advantage of and exploiting people who are poor. But they're also desperate because they're desperate to live. Yeah. So... Anyway, so for those that listen to our Patreon episode on the Pistaco and fat gangs, or gangs that kidnap, kill, and steal your fat to sell on the black I'm, market. I'm sorry, but just the idea of fat gangs. I want to be fat part gangs. of a fat gang. <laughs> West Side Story, but with like bigger people, people, right? Yeah. 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 Just like... <laughs> It's pretty crazy that there's fat gangs who will literally kidnap, steal, kill, and just to get your fat to sell it on the black market. And obviously, for those who listen to that episode, you will notice there is a lot of overlap between myth, folklore, and reality, unfortunately, uh, in these cases. So there are a lot of people that that are taking advantage of poor people in Latin America, forcing them to sell their organs for pennies. An article by Nancy Schuper Hughes breaks down how the trade works. So, she writes that even though most cases take place in countries like India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Egypt, and the Philippines, and more recently Central Asia and Central America, it is possible that in the near future they will become much more common in the U.S. or developed you know, quote-unquote, countries. She explains, quote, Facilitated by the internet, organ suppliers will be drawn locally from the large pool of new immigrants, refugees, and undocumented workers. The transplants will be arranged in private hospitals where the transactions are reported as altruistic, emotionally-related donations. Some countries are trying to create more stringent laws to prevent this illegal organ trade, but it's really hard. As long as people are living in poverty and have little hope, then they will look for ways to make money. Ugh, that's so tough. 
Yeah. I think what's so sad about that is in the research, we saw how some articles framed people doing this as as that, as altruistic. They were like, oh, look at this kind-hearted, you know. My God. Belarusian man willing to donate his kidney for a small amount of money to save somebody like this is this is the best of human nature and it's like no it's not it's called poverty (laughs) it's called poverty it's called capitalism it's like one of those heartwarming stories about kids starts lemonade stand to pay for college and it's like why are we praising this yeah we shouldn't be praising a child trying to make money for a future like it's just it's they're too young at that point like why are we doing this so yeah i mean it's crazy exactly and and there's so many moving parts all over the world i have no idea how they coordinate i can't coordinate my own schedule i have no (laughs) idea how like the donors or the sellers intermediaries and buyers work with hospitals doctors like all that sort of stuff seriously it's a lot of work yeah and in that same article uh, that you mentioned she also writes quote organ brokers are the linchpins of these criminal networks which handle an onerous feat of logistics they coordinate three key populations first kidney patients willing to travel great distance and face considerable risk and insecurity two kidney sellers recruited and trafficked from the urban slums and collapsed villages of the poor world Three, outlaw surgeons willing to break the law and violate professional codes of ethics. Well-connected brokers have access to the necessary infrastructure, such as hospitals, transplant centers, and medical insurance companies, as well as to local kidney hunters, and brutal enforcers who make sure that willing, quote-unquote, sellers actually get up on the operating table once they realize what the the operation actually entails. They can count on both government indifference and police protection. Wow. That doesn't surprise me. Again, everyone's getting a cut. Yeah. And there's so many people involved, which makes it difficult to stop, right? Everyone's invested for different reasons. Um, So you have the donor or the core donor, however you want to call them. And then the broker that connects the, the donor or the seller to the buyer the buyer is usually from a wealthier country or just generally wealthier and the medical team that does the surgery all play a part in it um about wow. the brokers she writes quote israeli brokers for example recently confided that they either have to pay to gain access to deceased donor pools in russia or Latin america colombia peru and panama in particular or they have to set up new temporary sites and locations in cyprus azerbaijan and costa rica for facilitating illicit transplants quickly and for a short period of time, already anticipating police, government, and or international interventions. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's just like incredible that the the infrastructure is there for for this to happen. Yeah. It's so it's so unsafe. And uh, anthropologist Nancy Shepard, who Hughes, who've been been quoting quite a bit in the episode so far, is really amazing. Um, she actually started a group, a watch group for organ trafficking. So a lot of the articles that we found, either quoted her, mentioned her, or were written by her. Uh, wow. But she's also kind of controversial. Oh. Uh, there was a little bit of a side gossip that I didn't want to actually include too much, but. 
there were other people involved in that organization and they moved away from it because they said that she was too too much <laughs> like she she wants uh how, how did they word it like she wanted the conflict right like she wants uh kind of these battles to be more visible so she's more pushy she's more pushy's not the right word but she's more full forceful and aggressive in some ways in her research so other people didn't want to work with her anymore because of that oh interesting so she's just hard to work with because she's so passionate about the work i don't well i i think that the issue is will she put other people's lives in danger if she's too uh forward right oh. it, when she's working with these different informers is she putting them in danger um is gotcha she, yeah so she's make, basically pursuing the truth no matter the cost yeah that's what it which, seems like which yeah that sucks <laughs> i yeah. was like i was trying to think of it like ah uh, is it okay no not really <laughs> it's actually kind of bad yeah. okay i see that's interesting that is fascinating sometimes it's, you know People aren't perfect. It's yeah. always fascinating to see that people are flawed, man. So yeah. now this is actually really interesting is the next section of this is like what happens to organs from dead bodies? That is interesting. So in her research, Shepard Hughes found that even dead bodies were being targeted for body parts and tissue. She found that in Brazil and South Africa, corneas, skin, uh, heart valves were being taken from dead bodies without permission and sent to wealthier countries. That is bananas. Like, not even in death can you rest. Right? Capitalism does not let you rest in peace. So in the article, The Organ Detective, a career spent uncovering a hidden global market in human flesh. That is the coolest name for an article dude really i want that to be the title of my autobiography that i will never (laughs) write and has nothing to do with my life (laughs) you get the you get your autobiography you're like this has nothing to do with (laughs) she's not an organ detective (laughs) no but i want to be an organ detective it's nuts so ethan water explains uh shepherd hughes findings He writes, and I quote, in Sao Paulo, she worked with a city council member who had been tracking illegal commerce in human tissue taken from the cadavers of indigents and nursing home patients. He showed her documents suggesting that more than 30,000 pituitary glands had been shipped to the United States over a three-year period. In South Africa, the director of a research unit in a public medical school showed her documents approving the sale of heart valves to medical centers in Austria and Germany. She also discovered at private medical centers in both Brazil and South Africa that kidneys from live donors were being bought and sold. Wow, that's bananas. No, it's so terrifying. And I think you're right. Like, when I die, I would like to donate everything I can off my body. But that's my choice. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want to be grave robbed. (laughs) Yeah. And that actually reminds me of one of the most famous cases when I went to Edinburgh in Ireland. One of the most famous cases is about two grave robbers. Because back in the day, 
people didn't donate their bodies to science or there was such a high demand for bodies for medical students to look through that these two dudes were like, hey, why don't we just murder a bunch of people and sell their body parts to medical doctors? And of course, one of them, the coolest thing, Orquido, that I saw when I was at this museum <laughs> was, okay, so one, of, so they captured both of them. Um, and one of them ended up turning on the other and confessing mm-hmm. everything and saying, you know, this is what I did, this is my part, but that guy is the mastermind of the whole thing. And so he, the guy, the other guy got executed. Uh, he, he was hung. And then they took his skin and made it into a book. Why? 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 <laughs> and I saw of the all book. Things, just why? It's crazy. And I saw the book at the museum. And it was, oh. ah, it was in Edinburgh. I did a whole tour. Because I love that kind of medical, like, gory stuff, right? Um, but I think the names... Let me look up the names of the murderers. While you do that, I just think it's so fascinating because... I'm just thinking back to like our episodes on um, how indigenous people were seen by the Spanish, right? As as like cannibals and vicious and all this sort of stuff. And it's just like Europeans, they were doing shit too. (laughs) There was actually higher incidences I was reading. And obviously I need to find the source in this because I don't quite recall where I got it. But I did read that cannibalism was actually way more common in Europe than anywhere else in the world. Well, we know Europeans were eating the mummies that they found. <gasps> Wait, from Egypt? Yeah. That's right, because they were using them as, they were grounding them up, right? Yeah. For the, for their dicks or something? I mean, why not? <laughs> <laughs> for their erectile dysfunction? They were yeah. like, let me eat this mummy. <laughs> like, what? Okay, yeah. so I found I found the murders. They're Burke, Burke and Hare, of course. How did I forget these two idiots? Um... Burke and Hare in the 19th century, they're the ones who who sold body parts, killed people and sold body parts. Uh, It was good money. They were making a lot of good money, but they got way too, uh, what's the word, Uh, arrogant, I think, and bold. Mm -hmm. They were transporting bodies during the day by the end of it. (laughs) You know, and someone was, I, I remember listening to this podcast, it was like, they were literally transporting a body and, and I guess he needed help putting it on like the little cart or whatever and someone came over and was like i'll help you and so like a random like you're having random people from the street carry your you know your victims like it's just bananas bananas i mean it obviously took the police way too long to catch them oh no they were yeah they were fools they were absolute fools and i mean they were again just like in the organ trade that we're talking about they're all they were all complicit in you know, the doctors who, who, who they knew. The doctor yeah. who was taking in these and paying them for these bodies, they were super suspicious and kind of knew what they were doing, but didn't question it. They were like, we just need those bodies. And again, it's just like these people in the system who are facilitating this, you know? I think that's the question of, are is this for the greater good, right? Yeah, these bodies are coming from places it shouldn't be coming from but but we're doing it for science right that, that's how people validate it yeah um I'm, we're not condoning murder for science at all no we're just saying that's all. how people have framed it before <laughs> yeah how they justified 
Yeah. It, just like they're justifying it as a feel-good story. This is not... It's interesting because it's it's the same history. It's just history repeating itself, you know? Yeah. Really fascinating. And um, while we were doing this research, we actually found quite a bit of information of um, animal trafficking or uh, trafficking of animal parts, too, which was really sad. All of this is really sad. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't expecting to read into that. I don't know. Yeah. I wasn't ready. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so... So human parts are obviously not the only thing being sold illegally. Um, there's this great article by Eduardo Franco Berton that talks about the black market of jaguar parts in Bolivia, Peru, and Brazil. Um, so this was okay. this is just like a small snippet. Obviously, there's a lot more. Um, but the article talks about uh, two people, Li Ming and Yin Lan, who are Chinese citizens but were living in Bolivia and were arrested on February 23rd of 2018 because they were in possession of 185 jaguar fangs, three skins wow. of the of the jaguar, several parts from other animal species, and then they had a gun and a shit ton of money, both national <laughs> and foreign. Um, and it turns out that there's this giant trade of jaguar parts. So between 2013 and 2018, around 171 jaguars were stalked and massacred in Bolivia alone. Ugh. Isn't that crazy? It's just so sad. What did, what did the jaguars do? They didn't do anything. They So they, they didn't. But here's the reason. So in tra- some traditional Chinese medicine, tiger parts are seen as good alternative um, to medical products. But because it's so hard to get tigers, they're turning to jaguars now. I I don't see how they're they're two different species, man. Like they're not interchangeable. Tomato, wow. tomato, fangs or fangs? I guess I don't know. I I don't know. But apparently, according to the same article by Burton, many people in Chinese culture believe that the tiger parts have medicinal qualities that help treat chronic ailments, cure diseases, replenish the essential energy of the body, and offer aphrodisiac powers. What did I say? about the obsession with making your dick work. I don't understand. So so the moral of the story, man, if you can't make your penis work, stop eating mummies and st- stealing animal parts, please. Yes, they're not going to help you. Go see a doctor. Yeah, go, go see, see a doctor. See a doc- go see a porn movie. <laughs> do whatever you de- need to do in the privacy of your own home that doesn't affect other people or creatures. Yeah, exactly. Please leave the jaguars and other creatures alone that's our so, psa <laughs> that's our psa so to quote uh this article they also believe that ingest by ingesting them one absorbs the vital force of the animal its vigor and attributes in addition it is considered a good luck religious amulet and as a symbol of status strength and power by the people who exhibit them in necklaces end quote so they're basically using tiger parts to do that but when tigers but i guess when the tigers are protected they turn to jaguar like what the jaguar again they're not interchangeable <laughs> they're two different species dude oh my god so <laughs> the journalist eduardo franco berton goes on uh was in bolivia and saw the trading practices for example he says that he quote observed the illegal sale of four skulls and 26 jaguar fangs the fangs I was offered at $100 can cost up to 1500 
or 5,000 USD in China. End okay, quote. let me just say, if I were ever in Bolivia, and for whatever reason I found a jaguar fang, I would sell it for $5,000. Yeah. yeah, but to, but if I found it, if the jaguar was like, oh shit, my tooth fell, guess I'm just going to leave it there, you know? like. Yeah. It's not, I'm not killing the jaguar to get its fangs on purpose. Like, if the jaguar decides to drop it, I feel like if the jaguar decides to drop it, it's even more valuable because he made it a choice. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's all about choice. And I feel really bad talking about this because I have a lot of jewelry with bones on it. Oh, no. Are you sure they're not human bones or jaguar parts? They're, no, they're not. They're all like mice. Or bats. It, everything is supposed to be ethic, ethically sourced. So I'm just okay, thinking good. like ja- the jaguar ethically sourced fangs now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because apparently that's what you have to do. Because this shit keeps happening, you know. So yeah. and the same. Uh, so the journalist, you know, Bertan goes on to say that he also found parts being sold in the city of Iquitos, Peru. In that location, he said he witnessed the sale of 44 jaguar fangs, four skulls, five skins, and about 70 claws. All these products once belonged to about 24 jaguars. In addition, a large majority of the vendors claimed to have had jaguar products for sale, and that soon, when the river level dropped, the hunters would bring back bring them back more products. That's so sad. It's so sad. It's it's really messed up. Like, what did the jaguar do besides be cool? Yeah. Well, and in the article, he, t- he talks about it. And it's illegal to sell this. They shouldn't be selling it. So oh. he goes to these places and he's like, do you have jaguar parts? And they're like, no, come back with us. And then oh, they tell my. him all this shit. Oh, and it's my. like, y'all suck at illegal stuff. <laughs> Well, it's not even that they suck. It's that probably the authorities are kind of like, whatever about it, you know, too. Yeah, that's true. And these people can pick up and go some. There's always, oh, and the the people kept saying, you know, oh, we need to sell it because the chinitos, which is really <sighs> derogatory. But it was it was just really fascinating to read. Like, the, again, the, that transnational relationship of organ trade yes. um, that's going on. It's really, really international. It's not It's not restricted to any one place. Borders are meaningless when it comes to capitalism and selling this kind of stuff. If yeah. only Burke and Hare, you know, existed during this time period, they would be <laughs> raking in the dough. They would be hunting down <laughs> them jaguars like nobody's business. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's basically it, actually. It's a pretty... It's not a long episode. Mostly because... I don't know. Actually, we didn't... I guess you didn't find as much information or... I think, yeah, there wasn't too much information. And it was... It got really sad really quick. So I I just went, this is enough. Yeah, exactly. I don't blame you. (laughs) We we learned learned that human organs and tissue generally move from south to north, from poor to rich, and from brown skin to lighter skinned. People, we learned that the urban legend that I love so much is not true. It's business not real. people and college students are not getting their kidneys stolen. It's actually poor brown people and black people. Isn't that um, 
always yeah. the case, though. It's like you have this one urban legend, and you're like, oh, finally, they got him. Yeah. <laughs> not that we, again, people. not that we wish violence <laughs> against anybody, but. But I was like, oh, okay, finally a legend that maybe targets people who are in the position of privileged or whatever. Yeah. And no. No. It's always, yeah. but that's always the case. It's always it's, the case. It's so freaking depressing. Yeah, it just, I ended up down this like rabbit hole of really sad articles of, and different stories from all over the world of people that had donated um, a, a kidney, or sold, sold a kidney, I should say. And then they had all these health issues afterwards, right? Ugh. Because then they had to deal with dialysis and they couldn't afford dialysis because they were already poor. So there were there were a few articles that talked about that, right? Like somebody did this and then they died, right? It didn't help their family the way they thought it would because the medical expenses afterwards are just unbelievable. Yeah. And their quality There's, of life just, decreases. I mean, at that point, you're just trying to survive. Yeah. You know, I and I can kind of see that in a lot of people, like my own parents who don't think about the future. Because they had to live, like, day to day. Like, how do I live? How do I make it to the next day? Yeah. Well, and, so, and this idea that you have to sacrifice everything for your family, even your body. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like as first, second generation Latinas, we sacrifice our mental health and sanity yes, to our families. A lot, a lot of that but happens. But I'm not going to sacrifice my literal kidney for my family. No, no. But you know what's funny? Um... It's okay. So everything is capitalism, but I do want to kind of make a point. <laughs> okay. A tangential point that relates back to me. Okay. So recently I did buy a condo. Capitalism. Capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um it was a it was a stupid process. Oh my god, the stupidest thing I've ever been through. But anyways. So how was I able to do that? How was I able to buy a condo, outbid five other people? As a single millennial woman with no generational wealth, I sold my eggs. <laughs> I like you too I, can be successful. Like I me. know you too can be successful selling body parts. Again, it's not a topic we touched on at all. But I wonder how often it happens in Latin America, like this sort of thing, because I researched. Before I did it, I researched a ton of stuff. I talked to doctors. Uh, and I kind of went with a private practice and I kind of regret it because I kind of lowballed myself, but yeah, it, it's the same thing. Selling your eggs are the same thing. You are just cattle essentially to these people. But I was in a position where I really needed money mm-hmm. and this was actually a pretty viable option. And, but at the same time, it's really fucked up. <laughs> it's yeah. really messed up. So, I mean, it's. It's, it's a common enough practice, and they call it an egg donation, referring mm-hmm. back to that whole thing of, like, making it sound really good, that you're giving, and they, yeah. they give you that language, too, that spiel of, like, you're making a family really happy because they can't have children, and you're making that happen for them, and blah, 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 but at the end of the day, you're doing it, I have no qualms with thinking, oh, I did this for financial reasons. I don't give a shit about, like, the family, like, whatever. Yeah. You know, good luck to you. That's great. I'm happy for you. But at the end of the day, my incentive wasn't to help you. My incentive was I need money. 
you know, and I have no qualms with that. And I have no, uh, also, uh, I'm not deluded enough to think that this is a good, <laughs> this is a good thing. You know yeah, I mean? you're not a good Samaritan. You're doing it because yeah. money. Because money. Who would, yeah. it, like, I don't, there's probably a couple people who would do it out of the goodness of their own heart, but it's a lot of work. You go, you have to go through, like, immense hormonal, like, uh, you go from, like, very little estrogen to a ton of estrogen. Uh, you can't run. You can't do anything like that because you risk torsion, like ovarian torsion. So your ovaries can, like, twist on themselves because the ovaries at the end are so heavy because there's so many eggs being produced. Oh, my God. That they could just twist. So I was told you can't go upside down. You can't swim. <laughs> you can't uh, You can't swim, actually. Swimming was fine. But you can't run, you can't do any exercise while you're on this, and you have to do the injections yourself. So you have to inject yourself over and over again. Um, but it was one of the few ways I was able to buy a place. <laughs> yeah. And, and I wonder if that's why it's less common, or we, we didn't really find instances of that in um, the articles, because it is a longer process that you have to be willing to go yes. through, right? Like, it's not like you get somewhere you don't eat for 24 hours and then they cut you open, right? Like yeah. it's a longer process that you have to have control over, access to medicine, all that sort of stuff. You have to be healthy too. Yes, they they have very, very stringent requirements. You have to be a certain BMI. You have to be a certain like, uh, I don't even know height. You have to be a certain like, uh, they ask you all your genetic information and your family history mm-hmm. to see like where, what, diseases or what things that might come up for the donor themselves and so uh, my family has a history of depression and so that you know you have to kind of bring that up as well so I mean it's it's still messed up though even if it is legal and they get your consent I still think it's really exploitative and one of the things I found was white and Asian women usually if you go with a private practice they get paid more. I had a coworker who was offered 20K because she was white Italian for her eggs. Oh my gosh. $20,000. Yeah. How often can you sell your eggs? You can do it six cycles. That's it. Six times is the max. I've done it five. Um, so six and then months once you is $120,000. Yes. Holy for Jesus. If she, if she did it, if she did it, yeah. you know for for 20k but if there's other hospitals and other places that will do it for uh different prices so the first time i did it was for 7k and i set my own price but it was because i saw the other prices and i was like i'm not white or asian so i'm gonna assume that my eggs are not actually worth that much but then i went with another a private like not a private hospital um but a public hospital and a public program uh, through the UC system, actually, funny enough. <laughs> uh, and they actually had a flat rate for everyone. Didn't matter what your race background was. You got, you know, either 10. And then recently they increased it to 15. Okay. That's so, amazing. Yeah. And it's not, and it's crazy because you can sign, you know, what happens to those children, right? Uh, sometimes they'll tell you, the couple that you gave it to, I gave 
the first one I gave it to was a couple in France, a gay couple in France, I think. Uh, so th- I, yeah, so they have my DNA. Um, they have a child. They have a tiny Brenda they or have Brendo a tiny Brenda. running I, around. <laughs> I joke that I've made so many donations that I was like, I swear one of these days someone's going to see like a little me on television <laughs> or yeah. something. What if they become like president or what if they become like a serial murderer? I don't know. I think that's more likely, Brenda. Let's be honest here. <laughs> hey, it but depends on the environment. Okay, that's true. Grow up that's in. true. Nature and nurture. <laughs> exactly. It has to be a combination. <laughs> so who knows? I mean, it's crazy. And you can sign a paper and say, you know, if your future children, uh, or not future, I don't want to say children, uh, because they're not my children. I don't consider them my children. Yeah. Uh, there are other people's children. Uh, if they decide to contact you as the donor, you can decide the level of contact you want. Or you can decide no contact and never hear from them again. I wrote, you can contact me wherever you want. Like, you want to meet me? I'll meet you. Yeah. Because <laughs> I want to know what you look like. Like... <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's really interesting. I wonder if we should do a second episode on this, or maybe like a, a Patreon special on um, egg donation and plasma donation because I feel oh. like that's more common in the US. Plasma, right? yes. The episode was... was definitely more global, but in the US, I think um, plasma donation, which is also and bone. right, selling bone marrow yes. um, and uh, plasma is what a lot of poor people do to make money. Uh, And it's ridiculous. I shouldn't have to sell my literal blood (laughs) to pay rent. Yeah, I shouldn't have to sell little, you know, body parts. I always joke with people and I'm like, I sold body parts for this place. Yeah, you cannibalized yourself to buy a condo. To buy a condo. Like, and it's not even that big. (laughs) How does that that make you feel, Brenda? I know. I mean, whatever. (laughs) I love... Okay, so... The listeners can't see you, but you're looking around your your apartment. You're like, yeah, I'm all right, I'm all right with this yeah, decision. I'm, I'm all right. I, I, I think I made the right choice at this point. Yeah. Um, we'll see down the line if I get cancer or something, but we'll oh, see. <laughs> that, that's but future again, Brenda's problem. Then you have exactly. a lot of children. You could be like, you need to donate a kidney to me. <laughs> you have to donate. <laughs> the only reason I, reach, I start reaching, I start researching all the children I've made. <laughs> Yeah, all the, all the genetically connected <laughs> exactly. children, and I'm just like, so, um, what about that kid? How's your kidney? <laughs> How are you doing? How are you doing? Huh? <laughs> that would be clever. That's a clever way of uh, looking at it too. It's like I'm securing my future. You are. You are without having to invest in children. Exactly. Oh my gosh, save I save a ton of money. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a cuckoo's cuckoo bird. I'm a cuckoo bird essentially. <laughs> what? Yeah, you don't know what a cuckoo bird does? I mean, I like the clocks? No, so a cuckoo bird, or I thought it was a cuckoo bird. Yeah, I'm, it, it's, a cer- it's a certain type of bird. That I don't actually... know animals, so you're, you're probably right. Yeah, but <laughs> there's, basically they, they go into another bird's nest, kick out their eggs, and then put oh, yeah. their eggs down. I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yes, they put their eggs down. And then have another bird species raise their own <laughs> birds. And so that's essentially what I've done. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, you know? I, I love that. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> but I am not in denial that it is nutty, that the whole thing is just exploitative and very crazy. Yeah. Very crazy. It really is. But yeah, I, this has been a really fascinating, I think, topic for... Oh, yeah. For Monstras. Oh, yeah. I mean, the whole organ trade and stuff, I didn't realize it went that deep. I'm fascinated by the urban legend. It goes so deep. It goes so deep. It's almost like now they cut you it... with a scalpel. Yeah. I'm, well, now you're making it sound sexual. Okay. Stop it. Now, first no, with the mouth to mouth. To, like, they cut you uh, open and they like sh- put their hands in you. <laughs> you're the one that went sexual. Okay. I, I know what you went sexual. Brenda has been trying to tell me a story about rubbing nipples for a while. I've been, okay. I mean, so let's hear it. This is the last thing. If you guys want to end the episode here, you can't. It's not. It's crazy. It just happened on my vacation where I literally went to the Madonna Inn. Have you ever been to the Madonna Inn? No. It's in San Luis Obispo. It's fantastic. It's uh, Dolly Parton has like a room there. It's it's wild. It's like this pink uh, room, this pink, pink hotel. They have amazing desserts and uh, they have these themed rooms. So they have like each room is a theme. Okay. So there's one that's like, you know, Yosemite Falls theme or you so you know what I mean? Like different this different themes. We were in the pick and shovel room. Uh so it was all it was crazy. But anyways, we went to the Madonna Inn, we were having dinner in the dining room, and this dude starts to kind of inch in on us <laughs> and he's on the phone and he's on the banister and he's kind of above us, not that high up, like just a step above us. And we're laughing because we're like, what the hell is this dude doing hovering over us, talking on the phone? And he comes around and we had just packed up our food. We were, re- we were just eating dessert and ready in, you know, about to leave. And this dude starts to pack up our food. And we were like, who is this man? <laughs> like, who is this guy? And so he starts packing up our food. Later on, we checked how he packed it he packed it in the most bizarre way where he put all the containers so you just on his let side. some rando touch your food yes but Why? we didn't know if he was staff like we had no idea like who this dude was he just waltzed up to our table started putting our food away he's like don't worry i got this i got this i'm gonna start putting and he starts putting it away he starts talking to us and i can clearly see that this dude's like drunk as fuck right he's like super wasted um and i'm just like what is happening he finally sits down at our table and i'm just like oh god he's sitting down (laughs) at our table so he starts talking to us and he starts at this point he's sitting down he's like it's a little cold my nipples are hard and he starts to rub his nipples in the middle of the madonna inn (laughs) i don't okay i have so many questions (laughs) But the first one is still, why did you let this Randall <laughs> touch your food and then sit with you? We didn't know. We didn't know what to do. It was just like the most audacious thing. We were just like baffled by this man. Y'all wanted to see where it went. Yeah. And also I did want, I was curious. I was yeah. curious. He sat, he like sat down, started rubbing his nipples. He's like... It's really cold in here. My nipples are hard. And we were just like, what the fuck is happening? And then he turns to He starts talking about how he's Mexican. Like, he starts saying, like, he's so Mexican. His name is Miguel Andy. 
You know, if you're listening to this, fuck you. Um, you crazy asshole. Nipple rubbing guy. Um, and he's he's like, my name is Miguel Andy, and, you know, I'm Mexican. He's so proud about being Mexican. And then he turns to me and he's like, well, you're brown, so you must be Mexican too. And I was like, well, I'm not Mexican. And he's like, yeah, you are. And I was like, no, I'm not. Yeah, you are. No, I'm not. And so we went back and forth for a little bit. And then he was like, your name is Bernice. And I was like, it's not Bernice. That's not my name. And he's like, no, it's Bernice. And I was Uh like, it's not my name. And he just, he was just like, would not take reality. He would never question anything that came out of his mouth. Never. You know, it was just, but it was bizarre. I finally got tired of his crap and I I left and I got the wait, the, the, you know, the waiters and stuff to come and like kick him out. By that time he was getting a little aggro and he was like, oh yeah, I'm from Compton. This dude was so short though. I think I was taller than him. And I'm 5'2". What does that have to do with anything else? Because he was trying to We appreciate short kings around here. Yes, not not when they're try they're being weird rubbing nip, you know nipple rubbing guys and yeah. also he was trying to like intimidate my friend but also trying to intimidate the the manager once he came over who was six foot tall like you know what I mean like it was just like a, a oh my god it was just such a huge contrast and so he started getting aggro with him but the dude remained calm and as I was walking out all I saw was this dude fist bump. Miguel Andy, and that was the end of that. I never saw that guy again. That's terrifying. Okay, I think this is how a horror movie starts. Miguel <laughs> was about to kidnap you and steal your kidneys. Yeah, he was distracting me with his cool nipple dance. I guess <laughs> he was it's trying just... to hypnotize you. Oh my god! Yeah, he he really was because that was work. bananas. But anyways. That is the end of our episode. I'm going to end it there. Uh, I have the TikTok where I filmed most of this interaction. Stop. I didn't. Yes, I, I filmed most of the interaction. I did not get the nipple rubbing part, but I will link it in the in the show notes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so you guys so, can see. Oh, we should say we have a TikTok now. Brenda set That's up right. a TikTok for us, and I haven't created anything yet, I have I will. I've done one thing and one thing only, and I will work on doing more it's just a big learning curve for me and so as an old millennial oh my gosh children please teach us how to use tiktok because i have no idea if anybody any listener is young or knows how to use tiktok please send us tips we would (laughs) really appreciate it because i don't know what i'm doing so that's gonna be real wild anyways so long and uh be careful don't um get kidnapped and have your organs sold yeah. Yeah. And watch out for nipples. Yep. Yep. Bye. <laughs> Bye.